Welcome, one and all, to episode 158 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, joining me, as always, my co-host on the show and my co-host in life, she is the real housewife of Transylvania. She is the mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine, and the queen of monsters. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashes von Nightmare. Oh, hey. I always have to make sure I get all of these right and... <laughs> The order may change, but as long as they're all there, that's all that counts. Uh, we are, of course, also joined by the hardest working man in podcasting, uh, the man with the velvet voice, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. Hello, 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 all. And uh, we have a very special guest for you today. He is an actor, a writer, a comedian. He's not wearing any pants right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chad Ridgely. <laughs> all right. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? I just wanted to, you know, I, the, the, this velvety voice of Johnny Wolfenstein. I was like, oh my gosh, this, I like to be the velvety voice guy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you're I can talk in a higher register if you want, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> he does a mean, tiny Tim impression. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Good. Thank you for joining us. Um, you know, we, uh, we're very excited, especially after seeing you with... Uh, the Dorkening Gentleman last week. Um, that was a really fun interview. And, uh, you know, hopefully you have as much fun with us as you did with those guys. The bar is, the bar is pretty high, but I'm open. Right, I'm we'll, open. We'll do our best. <laughs> so, Chad, what we like to do on our show is we have a little segment we call Getting Into Character, where we ask you a couple of uh, semi-tangential gentle, uh questions that may or may not have anything to do with anything else but uh so the folks at home can get to know you a little bit more so we can get to know you a little more um are you ready for this experience i am exceptional i've got so much anxiety now Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna start it off nice and easy this yeah. is the way most medical exams begin we're gonna start by getting to know you and all <laughs> history well if, uh, you're, if you're at a medical exam and the guy dims the lights and he's swirling a, a, a glass of brandy and wants you to have a couple drinks to relax that's how you know you've got the right doctor that's right that's well that's a normal medical exam i mean <laughs> i finished your prostate exam the doctor will be in momentarily <laughs> but i'm here to see a dentist <laughs> <laughs> he's either reaching reaching way far up or way far down <laughs> so your first question is if you could play any hero or villain who would it be oh my gosh any hero or villain it doesn't have to be comic books it could be just anyone okay i'd say well they're both they both kind of go hand in hand okay. um so i will tell you if i if i could play any villain it would be it would be Christopher Walken's character, Zorin, in the James Bond film of You Do a Kill. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Christopher Walken fan. I'm a big Bond series fan, and uh, uh, I love that movie. I love the way that he's, he's a villain, but he's just got such panache, and he's, you know, he's Walken. I mean, it's just such, it's such a fun fun character like uh and i like play play on word type things like when people die if you get a little zinger in there like oh, yeah. uh, there's uh there's a scene where they're in a meeting in a blimp and uh one guy doesn't like zorin's uh proposal and so he has he's like you know would you mind just stepping out so you don't hear the rest of this it's confidential information the guy's like sure 
and he, he sets them on the staircase, which then slides into a slide, and the guy slides right out of the, the blimp, and then he comes back in, and he's like, he had to drop out, you know, so it's... Uh, <laughs> And then the flip side of that would be, uh, if I could play any hero, it, uh, it would be a James Bond. It would be a James Bond hero. I, I, uh, I grew up on, on watching Bond films with uh, my mom and dad, and that really kind of inspired me to to want to be an actor because we would go to the movies every time there was a Bond movie that came out, and that was kind of like our family time. And uh, I saw how much they enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it, and it was cool. So yeah, I would be I would be a Bond villain or a uh, Bond. I think you got the chops to pull off Bond. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. <laughs> Ashes. So oh, wait, I just kind of this isn't my question. I just kind of want to oh. piggyback off of that. So which Bond is your favorite? Okay, um, it's a toss up really uh, between Sean Connery and Roger Moore. Um, I think mm-hmm. if I had to make. Sophie's choice on that, and I'd only save one. I would uh, I would save uh, Roger Moore's character. Uh, I loved I really loved his his portrayal of Bond, just so classy. And you know, not that the new ones aren't amazing, but when you grow up watching certain people in certain roles, you it's hard to see other people play them. Like I love Peter Sellers. I love the original Pink Panther movies. I love Steve Martin, but when Steve Martin came in to take over and do the reboot for the Pink Panther movies. I was, it, it, to me, it's like, oh, I'm still, I'm still Peter Sellers all the way. So, sir, Roger Moore, I believe. Yes. So if you had to eat one particular food every day for a year, what would it be? I thought you were going to say, so, uh, continuation of that. If you had to eat one bond character, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you would gain their power. Oh, Who would you be? Uh, octopusy uh, would be the, uh, the Bond <laughs> character. Uh, let's see. If I had to eat one food every day for a year, uh, pizza, hands down. That's fair. That, that's a, that's a solid choice. Yeah. yeah, I also have a food-related one at the end, so be ready for that. Um, Might not live much longer than a year if I ate pizza every day. <laughs> It yeah. depends. Like if you got the, you know, if you if you kind of spice things up and got the uh, the stuff with like the cauliflower crust, you know, with some veggies on it, you know. Yeah, but hell no, I'm not getting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the extra cheese. I'm getting the stuffed crust. Oh yeah. I'm getting the dipping sauce. I'm getting everything. I'm getting the pizza with the mac and cheese and the ham. I'm just getting. Have you oh, seen yeah. the, the, the monstrosity that they've come up with in Philadelphia where they have the cheesesteak wrapped up in the giant slice of pizza? I, I have seen that. Um, and I, I also saw a commercial for the, the new Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza, which is uh, stuffed with a hot dog. And then the commercial just scared the shit out of me because um, <laughs> the guy's like, check out our new Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza bursting with succulent sausage and free mustardy drizzle. And I was like, whoa, stop it, buddy. A uh, couple red flags there. First, I don't want anybody's sausage bursting anywhere near my pizza. Yeah. And <laughs> what the hell is free mustardy drizzle? Mustardy drizzle sounds like something you catch on your dick overseas. Like, it's like, it's oh. like, 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 uh, uh, it's like, oh, what happened to, what happened to Jim? Oh, well, he, uh, got with the wrong hooker now he's got mustardy drizzle yeah, he's yeah. got the mustardy drizzle uh and, and when did free mustard become a selling point for anything like right why am i going to go to one place and not the other because they have free mustard isn't it just free everywhere i don't know I, I would assume all condiments are free you know it should be yeah 
So my question for you is, uh, to what fandom are you the most dedicated? You know, are you a Star Wars guy, Lord of the Rings, you know, Harry Potter? To what fandom? Um, probably the original Star Wars movies. Uh, the first, the first three uh, were my favorites. Once, uh, once we started getting into too much for me, which was just too much CGI and the ridiculous characters. Um, not that Ewoks and uh, you know Sand People weren't semi ridiculous, but the really really ridiculous ones. So I'd say I would definitely go with uh, Star Wars. Okay, I mean that's fair. I mean that's you know that's probably where where my loyalties lie as well. I'm a big Star Wars guy. If you could, Harry was hot back then. I mean, God, yeah, that slave yes. Leia outfit. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yes, I agree. Um, if you could trade places with one character, any character from any universe, for one day, what would it be? Or who would it be? Oh, my gosh. If I could trade places with one character for just a day. For just a day. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think I could have fun with... Uh, as Iron Man for a day. Oh um, yeah. yeah I, could, um, I could, I could settle a lot of childhood animosity scores. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, that, you told me my lunchbox was gay. Yeah. <laughs> How about a tank missile up the ass? Right. Because oh. I love lunchboxes. I had, I had a, you know, every year it was important to get a new lunchbox. Absolutely. New themed lunchbox. And, uh, you know, also, it's like, oh, you know who's a great guy? That Chad Ridgely. I think I'll give him a billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'd do if I, if I was Iron Man or Batman for the day. I'm a billionaire. Brilliant. First thing you do, write a check. Right. Yeah. There you go. So the last, the last question, it's uh, based on something, uh, a scene in uh, 6.66 p.m., Okay. Uh, your character, you guys are all sitting out drinking champagne, and uh, you're talking about all these different restaurants that closed. Yes. So that got me thinking, in real life, what is your favorite food at your favorite restaurant? I love diners. So I love going to, you know, I love a diner food. I love a good diner bacon cheeseburger. It's a bacon cheeseburger and fries, uh, some iced tea with a little lemon. And, you know, the diners that come out and they give you the pickles ahead of time. That's my favorite. They come out, they're like, would you like pickles? Uh, I'm like, duh, yes, give me the pickles. And then they bring out, like, this tray of pickles, and I'll just eat eat the hell out of the pickles and then have the, the burger. And, by the way, uh, you know, in, in that scene in 6, 6, 6 p.m., all those diners are now closed. I mean, that's the only way they could get me to stop showing up at these places. They had to go out of business, <laughs> eat them out of pickles. Like, I would just show up. And so, like, that was that was really a real uh, lamentation on my part. I was like, they're all gone. I and mean, they probably came to you and were like, listen, we can stay in business, but we can't give you the free pickles. And you're like, you, sir, have made an enemy for life. Yeah. One star Yelp review for you. Uh, do you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you for enduring our... Uh, are getting into character questions. That wasn't so yeah, bad, was it? It was, it was a lot. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, that's good. I, we don't we don't want to put too much strain on you. You know, we still yeah. Have... Like uh, in the last six months, have you ever you know? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is, why Mar- is this rash getting bigger? <laughs> we should do that. Someone be like, oh, do you think this is a rash? <laughs> if you had to say, would you say rash or melanoma? Yeah. Pimple or boil? Oh, it's a gummy bear. <laughs> All right, so what we'll do, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to discuss with you uh, a couple of things. We're going to discuss 66 p.m., we're going to discuss Massacre on Isle 12, and we're going to talk about some murder van stuff. All right. I'm very excited about that one. So we will be right back. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. Okay. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey short. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, star of Sci-Fi Channel's Megalodon, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday's podcast. Good evening, future passengers. Are you ready to sit back, relax, and join us on a ride of epic proportions through the mystical land of randomness? Am I a serial killer if I eat Lucky Charms? What would it be like if horror characters ran a gym? Who would run spin class? When a shark jumps out of the water, is it like suffocating for that split second? So join us every week for a brand new derailment with Goobs, Ritkin, and Jenny Bean. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Derailers. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Have a great night or day, folks. And we are back. Chad, thanks for sticking around. Absolutely. That's some ass-kicking music you got there. That is uh, uh, our good friend of the show, uh, Rocky. He performs up in uh, Canada. He's actually from South Carolina, Wolfie? Yeah, South Carolina. He lives up in Toronto. Uh, he performs under the name No Man, and that song's called Dead River, and we've used it on every single show yeah. pretty much since our inception. It's very badass. I just want to put on some boots with some spurs and kick open some saloon doors and just go to, you know. Just have a gunfight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's and, definitely. And some whiskey. Yes. Yeah. Before <laughs> and after. <laughs> yes. So I was perusing your uh, IMDb page, and um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a huge fan of sharks. 
Uh, <laughs> I love sharks. And I came across this credit from 2013. Can you tell me a little bit about acting with sharks? <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, acting with sharks is a is a short comedy, and um, Jim Clock. I wrote that for Jim Clock, and uh, Jim Jim and I go way back. We, uh, we we've been in the uh, the acting game out here in L.A. for for a long time, and uh, one of the things that we used to do a lot is uh, we would go to acting workshops and casting director workshops. Because there's a good way to get in front of casting directors you might not otherwise get in front of, and if they like, if you know, they give you scenes to do, and if they like it, then they call you in and for an audition. And, and they're usually big shows, network shows. And we were in one, and it, it, inevitably, in any class that you're in, when it's time to go, there's always some dumbass who asks some retarded fucking question. Uh, that just everybody's like, really, like, it's, let's go. And they're like, well, can you explain whatever? So the casting director, she was saying, she's like, you know, I had just worked on this film. She's saying she had just worked on this film where uh, she had to cast actors that had to be comfortable being in water with live sharks. And then inevitably, some idiot asked, well, like, well, where do you learn? Where do you learn to act with sharks? And I was like, at the workshop, acting with sharks, duh. Uh, <laughs> and so, acting with sharks was born. I went home and I wrote that, and that's. Um, it's 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 really just a poking fun at the casting director workshop situation. Jim plays this hilarious casting director who is also a life coach, a hypnotist, you know everything. And he comes in and he gets checks from everybody, and then he teaches everybody how to act with live sharks. Um, but because he's a hypnotist, uh, he's just tricking them into thinking that they're acting with live sharks. But it's very funny, uh, and it's you can watch it for free on Amazon Prime. All right, that's good to know because I, I'm, I'm adding that. I say I suddenly have plans for later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so, short, so you know it's not it's not going to take your whole night unless you watch it a bunch of times. But it's very. Funny. I may do. Absolutely. Now, I we do wanna, uh, great CGI in that, by the way. I'm really we did a lot of rotoscoping exploration in that, and that was fun. Um, I do want to talk real quick about your uh, because we watched two of your films last night. We watched. 6.66 p.m., and then we watched uh, Massacre on Isle 12. And the chemistry that you and Jim Clock have <laughs> is so great. Like, you guys play off each other really, really well. And, um, you know, like you said, you guys go way, way back. And, you know, it seems that you guys collaborate on a lot of different projects. Um, how did that come about? Like, how did you guys meet, and how did you guys start collaborating? We met... Um... So when I worked, uh, before I moved to L.A. on the East Coast, I was a police officer outside, uh, uh, right there in Washington, D.C. So uh, Jim was also a police officer there, uh, but we didn't know each other. We met, actually, we had moved to L.A., and uh, we ended up both working on a celebrity bodyguard detail together, um, and we were working for Michael Jackson, oh, and... Cool. Uh, yeah, that was. Because uh, MJ wouldn't say, like, hey, Chad, he would always be like, uh, yoo-hoo, Chad. Uh, <laughs> which was fun. Um, so we met on that, and uh, we became friends. We were roommates for a number of years. And one of the things that we both knew kind of right off the bat about trying to get ahead in Los Angeles in the entertainment industry is you have to make your own content. You have to 
get it out there. You can't just wait for opportunities. You really have to make your own because there's a million other people out here who can all do the exact same thing that, that I can do. So we each were making our own stuff. Like I was making uh, sketch comedy uh, stuff. I was, uh, I was studying at Groundlings and I was, I was making these web series, which ended up um, getting me a show on Fox, which was amazing. And, uh, and Jim was doing the same thing. And we would put each other in each other's stuff. And a lot of times we would just, you know, sometimes our idea of a good, uh, you know, a good weekend, we would have some other actor friends over. We'd all have some beers and we would just shoot some stuff and uh, just for fun. And uh, sometimes that would lead to ideas for, for, for real projects. And then we've just pretty much been collaborating ever since. Because when you work with people that you like and you, you gel with and you work with people that are all on the same mission, especially independent filmmaking where everybody has more than just one job if you like that if you like that synergy then you're just going to keep doing it and that's uh, it's it's been great we've we've worked on a lot of stuff together yeah i've noticed that in uh at least in those two films like it wasn't just you guys that carried over it was a couple other uh folks and i want to make sure i get their names right i wrote it down on a piece of paper that wasn't in my notebook which was smart because i don't <laughs> have them now but uh Michael Buonomo, Buonomo, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Mike Buonomo. He's uh, he's in both of those films, and he was he was good in both of them. Yeah, he's great. He's very funny. He's really good at playing the uh, the straight guy uh, in Massacre and uh, in Six Six Six. We really went the opposite direction. We wanted everybody to kind of have a different character um, in in Six Sixty Six. So uh, yeah, he goes a little crazy in that one. Yeah, yeah, just a little. <laughs> and uh one of the things that you guys had mentioned on the uh with the, the blonde hair idea by the way yeah. oh because i yeah. was like we watched that we watched 666 first and i'm like i'm pretty sure that's the same guy but he was blonde in the last movie yeah 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 um the salt circle <laughs> that wasn't a circle right the, <laughs> yes those guys were giving you a hard time about that but it's like you know what it's close enough it <laughs> it looked like a three-point line. It really did. And had we been, I think, more aware that it wasn't quite a circle, we probably... I, I, like, I liked Wolfie's idea of, of making fun of it uh, and indicating that it's not really a circle, but... Yeah, like the self-aware meta-humor. Yeah, I get that. Now, when it came time for, like, coming up with this idea, like, where did you come up with the idea for 6.66 p.m.? Because I think it's it's a really fun film, um, and it's it's definitely a direction that I'm sure other people would go with, but not in the comedic sense that still balances like that little bits of horror thrown in here and there. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, where did where did that idea come from? Uh, well. Tommy McLaughlin, who's the uh, the co-writer on 6.66 p.m., he had come up with the idea to uh, to shoot uh, kind of a, a horror film in like a ranch-style house that, that involved the resurrection and it, it involved the uh, uh, the soul possession and the folks trying to, to make a, a reality show. Um, and as a comedian, I always look for the comedy elements. I really, it's, it's so difficult for me to not make stuff funny. And 
at least what I think is funny. So I always try and do that. So when I when I see an opportunity to to combine comedy with horror, which is my other favorite genre, um, six sixty six p.m. was a great appeal to me because it was limited locations, you know, small cast, something that uh, something that I could afford to make, um, something that would be uh, and still be fun and let us have a good time and get some scares in there as as well. Um, the uh, it was originally titled something else, uh, but I, when I title films, I like to use something that that really hasn't been used before. And uh, six sixty six p.m. never been used before. And so many people have been like, "Well, you know, you know, Chad, uh, that's uh, that's not a real time." I'm like, yes, I know that's the fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> and you even reference that in the in the film. She's like, "Oh, you mean seven oh six? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh." Whatever. You know, everybody's very, they want to be helpful. They want to yeah. be helpful. Now, when you guys were, you know, getting together and, and you know, doing, now either one of these films, because they both have that, you know, comedy horror, you know, aesthetic to them. Did you, you know, say, okay, you know, for getting into your characters, you know, I want you to check out films X, Y, and Z to kind of like give you the idea of where we want to go, or were you just like, go for it and we'll see what we come up with? Um, when we talk about how we're going to film it, we, we have certain styles in mind. So we knew that we wanted it to be a goofier, sillier version. We wanted to, we wanted to kind of almost homogenize the humor a little bit so that it might have a broader appeal. Um, I love Massacre on L 12 so much. Um, and the, uh, the humor in that can be offensive to some, um, which, I love the style of humor in that. I mean, I, I wrote it, so I, I absolutely adore that style of humor. But I wanted, to, I wanted to kind of make something that might be a little more family friendly, so that you could bring your kids in and check it out. And so we were thinking kind of like a Scooby Doo feel to it. Um, I, I always liked the old Laurel and Hardy scary stuff. I liked the Abbott and Costello stuff, and yeah. uh, it kind of has that feel to it, uh, especially with the. The reactions and Jim's like rea- like Jim's, when Jim's character gets scared, just so over scared, you know. Like it's, I, I wanted it to to kind of have that kind of feel. But when it comes to letting the actors do their work, that's that's all them. So we we let everybody come up with their ideas for their characters. And like Mike Bonomo is like, hey, he's blonde. I'm like, okay, he's blonde. So we, you know, we've got him. Uh, he even wore contact lenses, colored contact lenses for that. To, help but uh, you know when it comes to having the actors build their characters um we don't really stand in the way of that and then we see how it plays out and if something needs to be adjusted then of course we can say hey you know maybe he's not blonde maybe just the tips are frosted you know or something. right yeah <laughs> now, see, i got i got some strong like because we're you know big comedy horror people so like i don't know about you ashes but i got some like you know, like they even said on the dork, and like some Tucker and Dale, some uh, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some of the uh, the older zombie remakes from the uh, from the eighties, like Return of the Living Dead, where you know it's serious, but there's also like that straight laced horror. Uh, but it's funny at this. It's like, what do you got in there? Uh, rabid weasels. Yeah, we got a bag. Or we got these bags of rabid weasels. We need to throw in your incinerator. <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah. yeah. There's... Tucker Dale was was a real influence for me when I was uh, when I was writing Massacre. Um, I I love that movie, and uh, 
I was like, if if we can make something that's that's as as funny as that, we're we're in good shape. The thing that's that I like about both of these films is, you know, again, there's they were really funny. Like I can't stress that enough. Like we both enjoyed them immensely, but they were fresh ideas. You know, well, thank, thank you. With with massacre, it's like you took like a bunch of different things. It's like okay, we have. You know this wacky like uh, superstore type show, you know, and then we have a murder mystery, you know, but that's you know still a comedy, and we also have, you know, like it, there's just like so much like kind of wrapped together, and like it fits so well. We had we had a tremendous amount of fun with. With massacre, the uh, the characters are all so different, and they're all such strong character choices. Uh, when they collide, it's hilarious. Now, speaking of massacre, um, Jack was my favorite character. I thought you did an excellent job. You were hilarious, uh, kind of like that descent into madness. But he was kind of crazy the entire time, like. How kind of how like people kind of hide their crazy and then it just kind of comes out in opportune moments. I, I love that. Did you do anything to prepare for this character or your character at Peter in 666 6, p.m.? Uh, well, for Jack and Massacre, I, I really I love his arc. I love the way that he goes from being just the dick to uh, <laughs> like a crazy, insane psycho dick. Uh, he's he's. He's so much fun. I really didn't do that much preparation because, you know, I'm already a dick. So it was just easy. (laughs) It was easy to just do that. Um, Really, the preparation for me was to binge watch a bunch of um, of 80s comedies that I liked. Um, You know, like uh, John Larroquette's character in in Stripes. uh, Yep. You know, uh, the... uh, Stripes, I love Stripes and the humor and the different characters in that that all come together. So that was really appealing for me. Um, I wanted to, uh, like, I watched a bunch of the old Rodney Dangerfield films, like Back to School, and uh, I watched Meatballs and then Ghostbusters, just all the things, the, the comedies that are, that are sort of horror, but definitely funny. Um, and then for Peter, um, really, that, that was just... Um, Peter is kind of very a subdued character. He he lets he lets um, Lorraine, who's played by Autumn Federici, just kind of like run all over him because he just adores her. He follows her around like a puppy dog. He does um, he does have a couple elements of like Jack once he once he gets captured. He gets really really whiny and really really vocal and. Uh, um, but really, there wasn't there wasn't that I, uh, for for six sixty six. I just I watched a lot of the old paranormal activity films, and I wanted to see. Okay, so if we were if we were poking fun at this, how would we do it? So it's almost like watching it with like a, a mystery science theater or riff tracks, like yes, thing playing in your head. It's like okay, this is how. I mean, that's honestly that's how I pretty much watch every movie. <laughs> um, you know, regardless of how much I enjoy it. Actually, I think the more I talk through it, the more I enjoy it. It took some getting used to for, for Ashes here. But I was going to say, I, I definitely got like a Bruce Campbell Evil Dead vibe from the second yeah. half of 666. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. Massacre. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially like the aesthetic of like the, the way your face looked. 
<laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun outfit to get into. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it was like, hey, this is my favorite part. Uh, Andrews, <laughs> I know you had a specific. Uh, there was a specific line that uh, we we referenced earlier, but something that you you wanted to talk about. So I'm going to let you go ahead and, and please mention that. So in massacre. There is a line that I'm going to actually Patsy, why don't you're good at requoting things? I'm horrible at requoting. If re-quoting I remember things. correctly, uh it was you let eight Mexicans run a train on you for free salad at Olive Garden. <laughs> we lost our goddamn minds. That was such a great line. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's well, mainly it, because it, we're like Big Olive Garden fan. I'm not gonna lie, I love Olive Garden. So whenever <laughs> that you, whenever your character said that, I just lost it, completely yeah, lost no. it. Um, where does the inspiration for some of the dialogue come from? Like, is that is it is it ad libbed? Um, is it is it your writing, or does it come from like a a combination of the two? Well, I like to uh, so that line, the uh, the Olive Garden line. When we were shooting that, what I like to do is um, when I have a character, I like an opportunity to just kind of like riff and throw lines out. So for that series, uh, I was like, all right, let's just keep let's just keep rolling, and I'm going to give you a bunch. So I did about eight different. Oh, that's amazing. Eight different reasons why you know you let you know in that case it was you know <laughs> the Olive Garden one. Uh, in fact, there's. Um, on the DVD, the uh, the special features has the entire outtake uh, reel on it, which I always put an outtake reel on all my comedies because the first thing I like to do after I watch a comedy is watch the bloopers. Oh yeah. So um, on the outtake reel, uh, and then uh, on both Six 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 and Massacre, there's there's that. But the uh, that series. Uh, Ashes, you'd love it just because there's so many, so many different <laughs> variations of that of that scene in the outtake reel. Well, it's funny. I was going to ask about the uh, the the DVDs and like you know have you you know tell people where they can find it because I'm very much looking forward to seeing these these uh, outtakes and like deleted scenes because you know I can imagine some of the stuff that got cut. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, okay this is what made it in but there's going to be some other stuff that's like just as good they just didn't have enough time and space for it all so this is what i want to see and i'm glad that you include the deleted scenes and the bloopers and everything uh yeah there. yeah it's it's one of my favorite parts and in fact the blooper reel on massacre i think uh, the bloopers and outtakes are about 12 minutes long so oh, wow. it's <laughs> that's, that's awesome. amazing it's a, it's a whole little movie of, of takes that we just couldn't get in there or takes that we really liked, but uh, we had to pick one. And uh, like there's a couple scenes in there that I wish we could have got in, but it just didn't work. Um, like after uh, like Jack, after he uh, after Dave wakes up and, or Dave, Dave encounters Jack as he's trying to escape. And he's like, I don't think you should. I don't think you should leave. Let's just stick around. And then he. He says, I don't, let's not tell anybody else I'm here. And he's like, how do you know I won't? And then he hits him with the axe in the face. Um, there was a line in there where Jack goes, because I axed you. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. I love that stuff. I, I, I love puns and wordplay. 
<laughs> and it just didn't it just didn't make it in um unfortunately but there's there's a whole bunch of that and on 666 pm too and then i love for whatever reason it just tickles me so much to every time somebody says ghost to like turn it into goat so there's we had that in both movies I, I I was gonna say I I have that in my notes like tw- in both movies you say I ain't afraid of no goats, <laughs> yeah. and I also it, noticed the black baseball bat in both movies. Uh, you know it. Uh, I think it was the same baseball bat. I, I think was gonna it was- ask about. It. I didn't know if like you know it's like okay we're you know this is like my you know you know like certain people have certain like tells where they always have like the same thing, you know, how there was a Superman in every Seinfeld and there's an alien in every uh, South Park. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris Hubbard is our special effects, uh, practical special effects guy. And he makes, so everything that he makes, we have a real one and then we have a duplicate and then we have one that we can break. <clears throat> so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. Um, I know we have a lot of stuff in, in Massacre, that uh, it was kind of like a nod to other stuff. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, uh, Mr. Kipler's uh, swing line stapler, yep. which, uh, because I love office space. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, to get some of that in there. And then the, the bullet, like Jack pulls out the bullet when he greets Dave and he's like, I got a special bullet picked out for it. It's a hollow it's point. A exactly. You know, and then the, um, the Ghostbusters, I ain't afraid of no ghost. We just, I don't know. I, I, it tickles me so much to, to make it a goat. And then I love the scenes where we get those in. And we actually had a real goat on 666 PM. I, I did see that. I was like, the, 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 it was quick. It was quick. But, I mean, you obviously do reference it. Yeah, we had, uh, we had a hard time corralling him. Um, but uh, <laughs> I would there. imagine. He did live at the at the at the farm that we used as a location, and so uh, we're like, "Oh my God, this we have to use the goat." There's no way we're not using this goat. Uh, not that way. I mean, we yeah, didn't yeah. use it that way, but we used we used them in. Because the- I was gonna say, you know, what Mike suggests, uh, what he did. Um, I don't know how method he gets. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I did, did notice. A lot of time with it. I did notice one other reference, and I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but uh, there was a reference to the abyss. He was like, you got to yes. take steps. you got to take yes. steps. Yes. Uh, wow, Patrick, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that you, you got that. Um, here's an interesting story with that. So I'm, like many people, I'm a, I'm a huge James Cameron fan, and the abyss uh, is one of my favorite films of his. I watched that so, so many. I love so- the abyss. Me too. And uh, Michael Bean's character in that is just phenomenal. Like, he really has a nice arc as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Jack does. But in The Abyss, so that scene where he's he's going crazy, he gets the high-pressure nervous syndrome, and that's the scene where you really... It gets revealed to the audience that he is nuts now. Like, yeah. when he's doing it, and he's cutting him... He's cutting his his, his arm with the, his... Yeah, uh, under the table. His K-bar, and I, you know. So... I, I liked that scene tremendously, and I was like, okay, there's a moment where we can get this in, into Massacre on aisle 12. And, uh, and that's the moment. And, and a lot of, it, it sneaks by a lot of people, so I'm really, I'm really excited that you caught that. Well, now, here, go ahead. Go ahead. So uh, I actually had a conversation with James Cameron about that scene. That's uh, awesome. 
years, I ended up working for him. And uh, this was after Massacre had been written and produced and distributed. Like, I had no idea that I would ever be working for James Cameron. And so he came in, I was uh, I was uh, doing bodyguard work there, and there, there was a poster one of the other guys had put up a poster of Massacre on Isle 12. So James Cameron came in and he said, he's like, oh, what's that? And uh, we started talking about it. And uh, I said, in fact, I said, there's there's a scene in there, which is like an homage to your scene in The Abyss. And then we we, we read the scene back and forth to each other, which was amazing. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, it, so uh, he's like, I'd love to see the movie. So, of course, I gave him a copy. and. Yeah. So we we actually have two references to Titan or to James Cameron stuff in there. Well, yeah, yeah. there's the Titanic. I never liked the ending of Titanic. <laughs> yeah, so um, it was kind of neat that the way that that kind of came full circle with that. But I love that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes. So yeah, I was gonna say that's kind of where I got the uh, like Shaun of the Dead type thing because they have so many references to other zombie movies you know hot fuzz has all these references to other movies like and i like the way they're hidden in there so if you're like you're a real fan of those movies you're like i know that what's that from oh right it's from this scene in this movie and i love the fact that you guys did that yeah like when uh, when doug birch's character mr kipper is is crawling through the vent mm-hmm. and then blackjack is like you know what do you think you are bruce fucking willis you know like so we get the nice Die Hard reference in there too. I was waiting for a line, some sort of reference. Um, <laughs> what have you got? Oh, you got. All right, I'll go back. Um, so, I, I posted the fact that we were watching this movie, uh, Six Sixty Six, and um, you know, on social media, and somebody made a comment about like, oh, you know, this is the type of stuff that I wouldn't want to watch because, you know. You know, it looks like, you know, one of those low budget things. And, you know, I, I came to the defense of it because I, I feel and I've, I've written this down and I said the same thing online. said I've noticed that independent films tend to have the stigma around them that because they're a low budget production, that means the quality is also low. But I have found, you know, because I've watched almost 170 movies so far this year. And wow. a lot of them have been you know, independent things, you know, like Inhuman Witch or I Was a Teenage Wear Skunk. Uh, we just interviewed the guys behind Bad CGI Sharks a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and I have found that these are the projects with the most heart and the most authenticity, not only in their production, but from the actors, because this is something that you guys don't have the luxury of huge sprawling sets and massive, you know, budgets where it's like, oh, we didn't get this take. Let's do it another 65 times, you know, like Stanley Kubrick style. It's like a lot of these times you have a set time limit. You have like a week or two if you're lucky and you have to get this done. So you have to get one take, maybe two. So like there's a lot more that goes into these and there's a lot more originality. Like the movies that you were putting out and these guys that did uh, Majama, that did Bad CGI Sharks and Inhuman Witch, so much more originality than, mm-hmm. hey, let's release The Lion King shot for fucking shot. <laughs> but we'll call it live action, but it's all CGI. You know, let's right. do Aladdin. Yeah. Let's, you know. I just saw a thing that Melissa McCarthy is going to play Ursula the Sea Witch in the live-action version of Little Mermaid. It's like, 
you already released these movies, and they were classics of animation. I don't care to see Dan Stevens in poor makeup, you know, phoning it in. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. We did. We did put our heart and soul into these films, and uh, in very short amount of time, the uh, I think Massacre we shot in eleven days, um, physical production, and uh, same with six sixty six p.m. So between, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of pre-production, of course, but uh, I think when we shot Massacre in Savannah, Georgia, we were there for about three weeks, um, but only eleven of it was was shooting. So you mentioned that you were a police officer and a bodyguard before getting into acting. How did that come about? Well, it it came about kind of weird. I never wanted to be a a police officer. I I grew up, um, I grew up in the the suburbs of Washington, DC, you know, and I didn't really have too much experience with police outside of them giving me speeding tickets. Um, so that was kind of my perception. Uh, and then I got, uh, I, I always wanted to move to L.A. and uh, pursue those aspirations of being an actor, writer, comedian, etc. And uh, I got, uh, but I was still being an actor while I was in school out there. And I got a role on an HBO show called The Wire, which was shooting not too far away in Baltimore. And I got a role as a, as a police officer on that show. So I went on uh, some ride-alongs where you can actually ride around with the cops uh, during a, a shift and just kind of experience it from the passenger seat and see what it's all about. So I signed up to go in a couple of those and I went in a really active area and totally by accident, I fell in love with the job. I was like, wow, this is really exciting. Like I I could definitely do this. I I like the fact that it's not in an office. I like the fact that it's something different every day. And I said, all right, I'm going to do this for a couple of years. So I was, I was going to university of Maryland at the time. And then, uh, when I, when I graduated, I I joined the police department and I I wanted to work in a busy area because I, I wanted to play cops and robbers for real. And if you're going to do that, you need a lot of robbers. So uh, at the time, you know, DC was the murder capital of America. So it was uh, ideal. And uh, I worked there uh, for a couple years. And then every time I would get to the point where I would be ready to leave and move to LA, then I would either get promoted or assigned to some other area. They kept me interested for, for longer. And I got to do so much stuff out there. I got to be a you know, firearms instructor. I got to be an investigator. I was a, you know, it's supervisor and it was just so much fun and the camaraderie and the excitement because it was real busy. It was not just a lot of downtime and and pulling people over. You were going from robbery to carjacking, to shooting, to shooting like summertime nights was just insane. And I loved it. And the next thing you know, 10 years went by and I was like, Oh my gosh. So, um, I was like, okay, it's it's time, it's time to make the move. And when I moved out to LA, the uh, there was a huge demand for um, security, obviously for celebrities, and they oftentimes hire active or former police to staff those positions. And so I kind of fell into it that way, and I, I did that for a number of years for a lot of pretty cool people. And uh, yeah, that's how. So. It's almost like, uh, and I wrote this down because, again, I listened to your uh, your interview with the Dorkening guys. Uh, it's method acting to the extreme because you have a uh, a role <laughs> coming up uh, with a, uh, I don't know. I mean, the guy in 27 years, this is only the ninth movie he's put out. So <laughs> he's not exactly prolific 
You know, it seems like he takes a lot of time off. Uh, tell us what you can about your upcoming role. Uh, so, yes, um, he's only made nine films, but uh, it's Quentin Tarantino, and uh, the movie is called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it opens July 26th. And uh, I am in the movie as uh, I have a I, I, I'm one spoke in a giant, giant wheel of exceptionally talented people. So grateful to be in the movie. Um, but my part, my part's a, a small part and uh, it's near the end. And um, I can tell you that I, I do play uh, a police officer. And uh, that's about as much as I can say. That's but- all. You know, <laughs> we don't want you to get in trouble. We don't want anything getting cut from the film. But I'm I'm um, I'm super I'm super excited to to see it as is everybody because everybody in this movie and uh, yeah fingers crossed that uh, that I made the cut and uh, we'll see. Well, what's funny is you know we uh, we just went to see John Wick and that you, before John Wick it has the red band trailer for Once Upon a Time in Mexico and it, I mean I keep I keep doing it. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite Mexico yet. Uh, uh. Used to be. Yeah. Well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And um, at the end, there's like a little thing. It's like, this film has not been rated. It's like, oh, geez, I wonder what a Tarantino film about the Manson family is going to be rated. They're probably struggling between PG and PG-13. Oh, my God. Um, I think that's, uh, that's not quite everything we have, but... Uh, I want to talk a little bit about because this, uh, unfortunately, by the time this airs, um, the campaign will be over. But I did share it a couple times. I actually contributed today because we just got oh, paid today, so I was able to. Thank you very uh, much. Please tell us about your upcoming project, Murder Van. So, Murder Van is a is just a horror film, like just it's a horror film only. Like as much as I love horror comedies. Um, I wanted to explore doing one that is just straight horror and see how see how that does. Um, I like I like the, the the genre so much. And a lot of times with overseas sales, you can kind of get hurt a little bit with comedy because not necessarily everyone is going to get the jokes or the, right. the reference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if it's a if it's a topical reference, people aren't going to get it uh, with the American sense of humor not translating. But everybody gets uh, somebody getting chased with a knife. So that's that's pretty, pretty, pretty decent. So we'll um, we'll see how that goes. Murder Van is uh, is kind of like, is kind of like uh, uh, M Night Shyamalan's Split meets uh, James Wan's Saw, and it's 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 about two girls Annie and Harlow who get abducted by a serial killer in a van, and they have to compete and complete these uh, these like twisted game like challenges in order for them to have a chance at survival and then hopefully a chance at escape. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, it's a fast moving script. It's, it's very scary. It's very intense. Um, um, I'm going to play the, uh, I'm going to play the, uh, the serial killer guy in the, uh, who's the kidnapper. And then Madison Bullock is going to play uh, Harlow, one of the two female leads. Uh, she wrote, uh, starred, and produced um, *Ice* the movie, which is a uh, one of the top ten figure skating films of all time, according to Skating Magazine. And she has she has a nice fan base, and uh, I think I have a decent fan base from the from the horror community. And I think that uh, 
plus the fact that the Saw franchise was so remarkable and so successful, one of the top grossing horror franchises out there, and they just rebooted it. Um, yes. They're, they're, they're fil- right now, they're filming the new Saw film, which I think is called Jigsaw, uh, written by Chris comedian Rock. Chris Rock. Yes. Yeah, yeah we're, we're big. Like, we went and saw the most recent one in the theater. So, like, we are big into the Saw stuff, and we saw Split. We love that. So. I was going to say, so everything that you're saying right now is just music to my ears. I am so excited for this film. Awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, so are we. It's, uh, we want to shoot it uh, at the end of the summer, and uh, we, uh, we tried the, the, the crowdfunding approach this time. I've never, I've never done crowdfunding. I self-financed both 666PM and Massacre and Isle 12, all the, all the hard money that went into that. Um, that was me. So I figured, let's see what we can get out of uh, crowdfunding. So we launched an Indiegogo campaign, and uh, it did pretty well. We, we, we got about 50% of uh, what we're trying to get on Indiegogo. So I'm, I'm very happy with that because it's, it's 50% more than we had when we started. Right. Very grateful for everybody that that uh, did support that campaign and some uh, you know so many strangers that you don't know that come out and they're like hey you know I liked this movie that you did or I liked this and I'd like to contribute and it, it's just been so exciting to see so many people interested in being a part of or, or making the film or having the film come out uh, it's going to be good like I I really see Murder Van as something that could be a series there, there could definitely be a lot of Murder Vans. Uh, and there are, of course, the zingers in there. I, I just couldn't help myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if those still make it in. But there's there's plenty of those. There's plenty of those little one-liners that uh, um, that my character has um, when people die. And I think it's. Uh, I'm, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited to see it. And I'm, I'm excited to hear that uh, the ashes that you're excited for too. Yeah, I mean. Definitely, once this gets closer to you know being released and everything, we will have you back on and we will promote the shit out of it because we've awesome. already enjoyed the stuff that you've done. Um, I'm gonna I, I write for a, a small publication and uh, I'm gonna do a couple reviews for 666 and uh, Massacre. Oh wow! Thank. I have a whole series on like in, independent films that I do, you know, try to because again, like and like what you were saying with you know random strangers contributing to your film i think it's people are so like hungry for something new and fresh and they don't want to go see aladdin or the lion king they don't want to see another origin story for batman they want to see something new and something different Mm -hmm. and independent films really are the way to go like it's unfortunate that there's you know not too many um i mean the jordan peele stuff has been great but mm-hmm. he already had this built-in fan base, so it was, you know, maybe a little bit easier for him to kind of break into this genre. You know, like Chris Rock rebooting the, the, the Saw franchise. I mean, that dude's been around thirty years. You know, mm-hmm. people know him. He's a, he's already a commodity, so it's harder for like what you were saying earlier. You know, it's like if you want to separate yourself and distinguish yourself, just keep making content because it's not going to come to you. You mm-hmm. have to you know have the initiative in order to get this stuff going absolutely and it leads to it always leads to more things and more relationships and uh sometimes you do end up getting a nice success out of that and end up in a in a quentin tarantino movie or uh, um i'm doing i just did uh a charles charles band movie the uh Mm -hmm. the uh, full moon production of uh 
Ouija's Halloween Night, which uh, we just shot in Vegas, which is a horror comedy. Um, I'm very excited for that. That comes out on Halloween this year, and Danny Draven did a superb job directing it. Um, my character is very funny. Um, excited for you guys to, to see that. Well, I'm excited for it. So I think that's uh, Ashes. You got anything else? No, I just want to say, though, as an aside, you have the nicest blue eyes. I've just been watching you on the he, – he's on Skype right now, and we can actually see him. And, yeah, I'm just – I can't stop. I'm mesmerized by them. You have the nicest eyes. Why, thank you, Ashes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you for, uh, for coming on. Uh, do you have anything else you want to plug, anything uh, where folks can find you on social media, where they can find your films? Sure, yeah. Um, if you want to watch uh, Massacre on Isle 12 or 6.66 p.m., they are on all the video-on-demand platforms. You can buy the DVDs with the uh, exciting blooper reel and special features on uh, Amazon or um, uh, Best Buy Online or um, Target Online or Barnes & Noble Online or eBay. I've seen a bunch of copies on, on eBay as well. And both 666 and Massacre. Uh, you can find me on social media at Chad Ridgely on all the platforms, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I'm a stand-up comic, so you can find me performing all over Los Angeles or Vegas, San Diego, if you're in the area. Um, love to have you at a show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I think that's about it. Um, well, again, Chad, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you so uh, this much. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I expected it. to laugh a lot, and, you know, obviously we did. So um, we really look forward to Murder Van, and, again, we're going to promote this stuff as much as we can for you because uh, you obviously been, uh, you've obviously you been a great dude, and uh, you're very talented. You work with some really great people. So mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you, Ashes. Thank you, Johnny Wolfenstein. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll uh, we'll let you go. I know you're a busy guy, so uh, take care, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Okay, thanks, guys. Take okay. care. All right. Bye bye. Thank you. So that was uh, that was pretty awesome. He's so nice. He really is. But his films are a lot of fun too. So if you haven't checked out 6:66 p.m. or Massacre on Isle 12, do yourself a favor. And check it out. Buy them. Go go find them. You know, he just told you where you can find them. Um, you're going to laugh. And there's a great amount of comedy. But when there's comedy, there's also some great gore as well. So it kind of appeases up my palate very much. And there's some, there's some good special effects. And, you know, there are some... Like the acid scene in yes. Massacre on Isle 12. Yes. I love that. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um trying to keep track of all the uh and see i just i just thought of this like that was a clue reference trying to keep track of how many shots were fired oh yeah that's a clue reference oh my god i didn't even think of that yes yeah yeah um Um, but a lot of a lot of film uh a lot of references to other films which i enjoy as well kind of like these little you know little Little nods and winks yeah yeah i guess if you enjoyed movies like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. If you enjoyed uh, Shaun of the Dead or or Hot Fuzz, you know you will like these movies. So, I think with that being said, we'll uh, we'll go ahead. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we've got some uh, some more things to talk about.
So we'll be right back. Hello. This is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. This is Emma. Hello again, everyone. It's Mr. Most Days Off from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show, here with a special message for you from Richie the Whiz Kid. You know, a town without Best Darn Diddly is a little like the mule with the spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it, and danged if he knows how to use it. The name's Whiz Kid, Richie the Whiz Kid, and I come before you good fans of Springfield with probably the greatest podcast. Uh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville podcast. Now, you wait here just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. You tell us where to listen to Best Darn Diddly and we'll listen. I'll tell you exactly where you can listen to it. You can catch the Best Darn Diddly review show each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. So hop on the monorail and join us on this journey through the Simpsons series. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. <laughs> Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. And we are back. Man, that was a lot of fun. Like, I know we don't do a lot of interviews, but I always enjoy the ones that we do. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. Like, he's... And he plays some really interesting... Well, I should say he portrays and writes some real interesting characters. Oh, yeah. It was just a piece of the headphone plastic. I was like, what the hell's on your shirt? I didn't know if it was, like, boogers or something. I'm molting. Oh, you could be molting. Um, So, yeah. Like, that that was a lot of fun. I... We're gonna have to definitely post um, the links to the to the trailers for those two. Yes. Um, Murder Van just sounds amazing, so I'm really looking forward to that one. If you're gonna turn that far away, you don't have to hold your sneeze in. Ugh, I don't. I, you know how loud I sneeze sometimes. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's fine. You don't worry about it. I think mustardy drizzle might have to be the uh, <laughs> episode title because that was a lot of fun. That was <laughs> I wrote that down. So he mentioned, um, for those of you who are not familiar, he mentioned studying at Groundlings, and Groundlings is a uh, like an improv shop where uh, it's not just improv, but it's acting. It's not just comedy. Uh, some notable names just to. Th- throw these out there because I, I wanted to make sure folks were aware of what this is. Uh, folks who are considered graduates of this program. Uh, Will Farrell, Conan O'Brien, Kristen Wiig, Kathy Griffin, Mariska Hargaday, Jimmy Fallon, Phil Hartman, J.J. Abrams, Paul Rubens, also known as Pee Wee Herman, and John Lovitz, just to name a few. There are wow. dozens of like... That's so this incredible. Is, this is like, you know, the Harvard of... of Although I don't think I could name more than two people that went to Harvard. You know, like Natalie Portman and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, that's about it. I don't know anybody else that went to Harvard. But uh, we have a couple things. We have some big announcements coming up. We're not going to say it yet. But we have some big announcements coming up. 
that will be up on the page in probably a few days. Yeah. Because these it's are fun stuff. It's good stuff. These are major. These are big major announcements. So. Uh, so Ashes, what, what do you, uh, you want to talk about real quick? Do you want to just get into our? Uh, well, we have a battle, sort of, kinda. We also it's a, it's a battle-ish. We also uh, talk about the battle because I we have two voicemails that I did not um, send over to Wolfie that I feel like I probably should. Yes, you should definitely. Can I just disclaimer? We're not recording on our usual recording night, so we're a little off our game. Yes, this is, we're recording on I'm a, a Monday. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a creature of habit. I'm, I'm a routine person, so when my routine is thrown off, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, really. A routine. Um, I don't know how to do anything. I can't word good life. I I'm bad at words. But anyway, so we kind of have like a battle-ish type thing that we want to throw down for you guys. Um, instead of doing a battle, we're going to throw up an open-ended poll, which means that f- you guys can add to it. Uh, we want to know what characters you want us to cover this year. We have some in mind already. We're in the process of setting up some really amazing episodes with some quality, quality guests. But we want to know from you. We want to hear from you. What do you guys want to hear about? What do you guys want to learn? What do you guys want to talk about? Let us know. So hit up, hit us up on the Facebook page, on the Twitters. Um, there will be, you know, open-ended poll question up there. And yeah, just, just, just let us know. Yeah, there are a couple of a uh, couple of things that we've been meaning to talk about that are. We keep going running to into these things where we're like, "Oh, we should do an episode on that." Oh my god, we should do an episode on that. Hey, that would be a really good character to cover. Um, so uh, some of those episodes are in the works right now, yes. but we want to hear from you, our wonderful, lovely listeners. What do you want to hear? What do you want to learn about? What and do you want to talk about? That is a great segue because one of our listeners, Justin from... As they're trying to take out the microphone, we are really off our game today. We really are. Uh, Justin from uh, Tales from the Podcast, uh, he has been going through our back catalog starting with episode one. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it gets my better. My condolences, it my sympathies. Better. I promise. It does, it does get better. Um some sort of sometimes, but uh, in, he, in in general, the episodes get a lot better. Yeah, just he, just not. Chad was great on this episode. No, he really me, was. Me on the other hand, I am just tanking. I am I am bringing this down. Well, you're also like I am the anchor. What people don't know right now is that she's really lost her voice, and she is forcing herself to sound to tell the folks how you sound normal. I really sound like this right now. Yeah. Hello, everyone. She's been drinking tea, so she's straining her voice to make I sure. I sound we like a I just smoked show. like three packs of Marlboros in like the span of five minutes. Camel unfiltered and some. Oh tobacco. my god, you guys! So uh, yeah, so this is what I really sound like, and this is what I'm trying to sound like. So that's why she hasn't been talking. That's kind of so why much. I have a little bit of Muppet voice right now. Hey, hey, uh, guys. Yay! So, uh, Wolfie, if you mind uh, playing those two voicemails, starting with the first one and then the second one, I guess. Would be that, a that's, a good, that's a good order. It is. 
Hey there, Patsy and Ashes. This is JB. And I have been going through your entire catalog of episodes. So far, I'm on episode 42. But as of so far, I thought I'd go ahead and leave some feedback on some of your older episodes that you probably don't even remember doing anymore. It's true. So the first one I had was your favorite childhood cartoon. Well, mine was probably either Beast Wars or Garfield and Friends. I did enjoy Garfield. Then you got the favorite gift like that you never really got for Christmas. And mine's very similar to Patsy, except I'm a little younger than him. So instead of it being my brother getting the Game Boy I wanted, my brother got the Game Boy Pocket that I wanted. See, it's a conspiracy. Little bastard. <laughs> yeah. Then we have your favorite Christmas character. And I'm going to have to say mine is probably Krampus from the American Dad show. Yes. Oh, yeah. And this one's not so much feedback as much as it's, you know, just a, a statement. But how did the Belcher kids beat the Simpsons in a prank <laughs> war? Especially with Bart there. Exactly. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So the next one is, what is your favorite candy? Well, I'm a fat ass, so pretty much any candy I do for me. But I really enjoy a good Baby Ruth. It's a good call. It's a good call. And then your favorite Disney character. Mine, um, it's kind of a cheap move, but I'm going to have to go with Darth Vader. That's fair. And then... You have a um, the Marvel slash DC character that you want to know more about. And what about Adam Warlock? I want to know more about Adam Warlock. Just wait. We talk about him a lot. And then you also ask um, a, something just about yourself. And um, something about me is I really, really dislike it. When people are trying to rank their favorite Star Wars films and never include both Ewok adventures. It, for some reason, drives me insane. Anyways, I hope you guys have a great episode and I have so much fun listening to you guys. I can't wait to finish the rest of your episodes. See, I just, I just realized that I was like, oh, just wait. We talk about him a lot, but he's not going to hear this till after he's already listened to those episodes. So, I, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we talk about him a lot on those episodes like a year ago. But by the time he gets to them and then hears this voicemail, it's going to be months after he listened to us talk about, uh, well, not a lot about Adam Warlock, but a little bit. Um. But I, th- I think it might be worth it at some point yeah. to do an Adam Warlock specific episode, yeah. especially with if, Guardians Three coming up. Right, I would say especially if they decide to, you know, go a certain direction with the new installment. Well, they've already of, shown of the his cocoon. Universe. They've right. already referenced him in Guardians Two. Spoiler alert! But that movie came out like three years ago. Get up on your Marvel stuff. Um. He does have a couple suggestions for us, for other characters. Wolfie, if we can get that second voicemail, please. Hey there, Patsy and Ashes. I also thought I'd go ahead, and I forgot to mention it in my first voicemail, but I thought I might be able to go ahead and give you guys a couple of character suggestions. For instance, I would love to hear you guys do an episode on Darth Revan. 
as well as a Sun Wukong episode, or the Monkey King, as most people know him by. Anyways, thank you guys very much for the show. I love it and enjoy it so much. So we've actually had conversations with people about having a Darth Revan episode. He is not the first one to, to mention this. And I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. Ashes, you have this quizzical look because you haven't played some of the games and you aren't like well-versed in the, uh, the, what's now called the legendary Star Wars universe. So, and I imagine there's a lot of folks out there that are in the same boat because there's just decades worth of material out there. Like, there's stuff that I don't know about, and I like to consider myself fairly well-educated uh, as when it comes to Star Wars. So, But yeah, uh, Sun Wukong, I actually had to ask him uh, through uh, Facebook Messenger who that is. And apparently it's a character from Chinese mythology that's been the inspiration for a lot of pop culture characters like Goku from Dragon Ball. So that's definitely one that we'll have to look into. I mean, he's given us a, a good start. So, like, this is what we want from you folks. Give us your suggestions. If there's a specific fandom that you are particularly fond of and you want us to delve deeper into that fandom and talk about a specific character or tribe or group, or if there's a historical figure that has been represented in movies or books or TV shows you want us to talk about, that's something that's on our list, too. So tell us what you want to hear, and uh, we will do our best. And uh, if you're interesting enough, we'll have you on as a guest to talk about it and educate us a little bit. I love to be educated. I do, too. I like to learn stuff. I'm all about learning and science. You just educate all over me. So moving on. <laughs> uh, I was trying to use that as a segue into this being my science fact for today oh my god you science all over me oh, from the blackness of space timeless from the void you terrified to learn of patsy's science facts so today i wanted to talk about uh because we had chad on and uh i mentioned how he has a really good chemistry with his co-star jim clock um Jim's character in uh, 6.66 p.m. states multiple times that he is afraid of different things. One of those things, because uh, he is offered a free spa weekend and he declines it because he has a fear of steam. And I was like, that can't be a real thing. So I looked it up and there's actually a thing called atmophobia, which uh, depending on how you translate it, could be a fear of steam, vapor, fumes, or air. So that is a thing. And uh, I just kind of wanted to tie that into the uh, the guest that we had today and the films uh, in which he takes pl- part, plays. So, uh, Ashes, do you uh, want to talk a little bit about wine today? I always want to talk about wine. So I recently tried a wine. 
Uh, it, it's a new release. It's from the Menage a Trois Vineyards. Um, I was really excited when I saw that this was going to be released because, as you listeners may know, I am a huge fan of the Apothic Vineyards, and they have this wine called Apothic Inferno, which is a red blend that is aged in old whiskey barrels. So whiskey is aged in barrels, and then, you know, they, they bottle it. And then Apothic takes these whiskey barrels and then uses them to age their wine. And it is delicious. Now, Menage a Trois recently released a bourbon barrel Cabernet Sauvignon. And when I heard about this, I, it just it piqued my interest. I had to try it. So I finally got my hands on a bottle. And let me tell you, it did not disappoint. It is a full-bodied cab aged three months in bourbon barrels with notes of vanilla, bursts of blueberry and blackberry, cloaked in caramel, and a fierce smoky spice. It is fruity and spicy on the front of your palate, but it is so smooth on the back of your palate. And that's the that's the effect of the bourbon, of the aging in the bourbon barrels. Uh, it is so delicious. It's very different from the Apothic Inferno in the sense that it, it is a true cab. It is made up of 92% Cabernet Sauvignon grapes, 6% Merlot grapes, and 2% Petite Syrah grapes. So just enough of a, of a variety to really bring out the flavor in the Cabernet grapes. Um, it's delicious. And if you are interested in trying it, I highly suggest you pick it up. I cannot praise this specific wine enough. It was really good. I liked it a lot. And I don't like drier wines. Right. You you tend to have more, uh, gravitate more towards the sweeter wines. I like the sweeter but stuff. that's the uh, effect of aging it in the bourbon barrels. It kind of gives it that, you know, kind of like almost like a, a mellower sweeter flavor and that that's not typical with with a cab so you can definitely tell on the front of your palate that this is a cabernet but on the back of your palate you're just kind of like oh oh hey hello who is this and it's nice uh i think it paired i mean it's great to sip on its own but i think it would definitely pair well with either like some some meatier pasta dishes mm -hmm. or a steak or any other type of like red meat combination. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds right. It might even pair well with chocolate, like a dark chocolate. Yeah. Like I if so that. if you did like a, a dark chocolate cake to go with your steak and pasta. A flourless dark chocolate cake. Maybe. Like, like D Rook. Yeah. But anyways, it is Menage a Trois bourbon barrel aged Cabernet Sauvignon. Like I said, I, I actually plan on picking up another bottle this week because it was so good. So I think that's just about it. Yeah. Right. So we have some crazy awesome things coming up. We can't really talk about it right now, but I'm sure either around the time this episode drops or shortly thereafter, you will hear of these awesome happenings that are happening. And we will definitely be posting it to our new uh, Facebook page, which uh, as we were speaking... I uh, just got a notification that we've hit 200 likes already. Wow. And, that's all, and it's only been like a week since we put that up. So thank you to everybody who's out there liking the, the, the Facebook page. We really appreciate it. Um, Scarecon will be proud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually, I, I tagged uh, Crest Winchester in that because I was like, because he was the one giving me guff 
He's like, oh, there was one show that, you know, we wanted to tag in some things, but they didn't have a page, and I kind of sheepishly raised my hand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Were you like, my bad? I was like, it was, it was me. Because yes, you sheepishly, sheepishly raised your yes. hand. I set myself my up bad. for that. <laughs> you knew what to do right there. Oh, oh, you know it. You goaded me into it. Oh, I ain't afraid of no goats. <laughs> <laughs> so I think on that note, we will... Uh, Go ahead and uh, see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday.